yeah, it's it's very odd reading through all the spell books and being like, okay, here's six arrest variants and a bounty hunter. And you get to another one, it's like, all right, this is a bunch of spiders. Get to another one. Oh, wow, these are all the mystical archive cards. Huh? How about that? <laughs> Swords to postures. They're all like really flavorful. And then I guess the key to the archive is, I, I guess. They're all mystical archive Is cards. it referencing? So it's referencing the Strixhaven archive, but it's in the Innistrad. Alchemy well, you know how set. libraries have branches, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you can check out the mystical archive cards. This is simply the Innistradi <laughs> branch of, mm-hmm. I don't know, the, the Biblioplex? That's what the Strixhaven library is called, right? I'm pretty sure it is. Lee, Lee, what makes you think that I would know that? I don't know. Maybe you just what like in your Reddit experience with me. Don't you ever just like remember random things that you'll never forget? Yeah, but like if that like magic lore, if it's not like on the name of a card that I have played with, like I'm not really I'm, I'm not very likely to know. I'm it. pretty sure the Biblioplex is like a really bad library of Alexandria, isn't it? Yeah, it's a right, name of a but card. Since it wasn't good, why would I? Yeah, I'm vaguely remembering it. It has like a big activation cost, and you can play it if your hand is like empty or full or something yeah, like that. That's exactly right. You're nailing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. It's got the whole library of Alexandria framing, like how right. the art is placed. Uh, but it's a very bad yeah, card. Yeah, it's very bad. The like cachet of Library of Alexandria isn't like what it does, it's that it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. That's where the mystique comes from. It's also very old. Yeah, I mean, that helps too. I think it's a huge part of it. It's a lot of uh, stories about it. Well, because it was so good. Yeah, I mean, but nowadays it's mostly just he's playing cube, right? Vintage cube. Right, and mostly like people like calling it worse than it actually is for clout or whatever yeah people are either saying it's very good or very bad and there's like no mm-hmm. in-between answer <laughs> right <laughs> well you want to talk about some really new cards really like about as far the opposite of library of alexandria as you can possibly go i would rather spend an entire podcast talking about library of alexandria to be honest Ooh, I don't know that we could sustain that in a way that our listeners would be happy about it. So in 1994? <laughs> hey everyone. Welcome to episode 225 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Lee, are you so excited to talk about these cards? I am not. I am not excited. (laughs) Well, you know, get there. (laughs) See, it's really hard because I wasted all of my normal magic Twitch viewing which is the only way I would be exposed mm-hmm. to these cards because I'm not going to play uh, Alchemy. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm against the format or anything. I just am out of arena. Yeah. And I wasted all my Twitch hours uh, watching an FGC tournament this weekend. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's quite wasting, but... It is for podcast know, purposes. 
That's I thoroughly true. enjoyed it for I, entertainment purposes. I did watch. I haven't played any alchemy yet. I have watched a fair few streams. Uh, I just have to like decide if I'm actually going to buy into this, which, you know, like I will, but I need to like work my way up to it. I guess from the people I'm following on Twitter, which are generally like more of the positive people in the community, they have liked alchemy for what it's worth. Yeah. Like it does seem to just be a good addition to arena. I mean, it's looked fun, but also that's because it's a brand new format. There is no reason for anybody to be particularly competitive. Like everybody's basically playing like the streamer weekend level of play at this point where you just like play the decks you want to play and you don't worry about like you you forget about the existence of Ember Cleave was like what happened during those weekends. And I think that's the state that we're at in Alchemy right now. Didn't the Wizards announced that the tournament was coming up and it was going to be Alchemy, one of the arena opens? Sure, but, like, nobody's, you know, nobody's working right. It's just ladder play. Like, it's it's all, like, and there's no tournaments to define the meta. You know how, like, a, a set championship or worlds will happen and it'll be like, oh, shoot, Epiphany with Unexpected Windfall is really good and almost impossible to beat. And then the ladder is, like, all that. And that that hasn't happened at all yet. Like, so the, the meta is so undefined, it's just people playing with the cards they want to play with. I like it whenever someone stumbles into the cat combo because that's been one of the cards spell books. I've heard a couple yes, of stories both about halves. that. And it's just so hilarious. It's a card that you would naturally play in a sacrifice yeah. deck. So it's, you know, each half of the cat combo is like kind of acceptable on its own. So if you get there completely, then you really did it. It's it's super funny that we just had that banned from standard. And now you can just randomly get into it again. Yeah, I mean, it's different if you, like, roll into it via yeah, a very, obviously. like, complicated series versus, like, start on oven every game. Oh, God, I hope they don't have cat. And then they have the cat. <laughs> or they find it eventually because they flip through 20 cards with Trail of Crumbs. Like, it's very different this way. I mean, just, just give a bird's eye view of what I've seen of the format so far. Uh, it has looked fun. The blue decks look just like head and shoulders above everything else right now. Man, that seems to be the case so much more often than not. (laughs) Well, specifically right now, it's because people are playing the fun cards and the fun cards are all like really mid-rangey board control cards that are not good against like I'm playing Wraths and Leer and Hullbreaker Horror or whatever. And so the blue decks just have been very very good against a lot of the stuff that people are doing and the aggro decks are like pretty heavily kept in check and not taking out the blue decks because they're really bad against all the mid-range decks that people are playing specifically like in particular like the meat hook massacre decks and like i think the vampires deck is actually pretty good but none of this is like real battle tested matchup analysis or anything like that because there's no metagame yet is the vampires deck like independently good from the cards of standard or are there more cards in this in the alchemy set that like pushes it over it just like seems to be there's nothing new in it really it just seems to be like at an acceptable power level now and in particular just like shocks are good because they kill a lot of the stuff that people put onto the table and the vampires deck likes playing with a lot of shocks because it has like florian and stuff yeah, okay. But I'm just going to kind of scroll through the list and I'm going to point out cards that I have something to say about, whether it's <laughs> like 
this is a, this card has looked good or this card has looked worse than you know somebody might think that it is uh, and i'm just looking at the scryfall in order so just to start with angel of unity one in a white for a one three angel cleric with flying and lifelink Whenever Angel of Unity enters the battlefield or you cast a party spell, choose a party creature card in your hand. It perpetually gets plus one, plus one. So that's any cleric, rogue warrior, or wizard. Uh, I also really like the party creature language because oh, yeah. it's, I'm just like picturing this angel like putting on a pair of sunglasses and like doing a keg stand. So it's a party creature. Yeah, yeah, a, a party, party spell is like an, something you do at one of those things. Well, right, party. to make everybody have a lot of fun yeah. you cast the party spells so this card is just like pretty high above rate it gives a lot of total power and toughness drawing it late is bad but if you are like building your creature deck with party creatures in any sort of grindy way and i think mostly this goes into clerics decks that's, not party decks see, that's what i was so. gonna say there's a million clerics in standard that are like mm -hmm. quite good there are not that many rogues or warriors that are like remotely playable. Yes. And this card correct. doesn't, unlike a lot of the Zendikar party cards, it doesn't reward you playing with all four creature types. Like it, it doesn't mm -hmm. cost reduce or have an increased effect the more of a party you're playing with. It's mostly just like a utility card for one of those four tribes with yeah. some cross pollination if you want to do that. Yeah. And the cleric deck. I, I think is like completely acceptable power level in alchemy since you're not playing against at least right now double time walks it's really good against other creature decks you can outsize meat hook massacres you're not great against blood on the snows all the time but sometimes they cast blood on the snow and you're just like okay i'll just return all of these clerics from my graveyard to play yeah sometimes so, you have aura is that its name yes yeah yeah uh, and I think this is a really good two drop for that deck. And also it gives you a life gain trigger every turn because it does have lifelink on it. So it, it does some work. Yeah, I think this is like a, a pretty good clerics card and deceptively can make you trick trick you into playing a lot of creature types. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say probably don't do that unless we get some very different cards in the next couple sets. Yeah. Next, Captain Eberhardt, one in a white for a 1-1 one, one double strike. Spells cast from among cards you drew this turn cost one less to cast. Spells cast from among cards your opponents drew this turn cost one more to cast. So it reduces the cost of cards that you drew this turn and taxes your opponent's top decks. This card is not playable. Like, it it looks like, oh, this should be, you know, it's got a body, it's got a taxing effect, it can discount, it just doesn't do anything. Well, Don't it taxes card. one card, you can't control what that card is, <laughs> right. and it's also the worst time to be tax a card. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't tax the card that they're, like, planning around ever, so it, it just doesn't really do it. <sighs> yeah, and the it's just too small to matter. Also, you can just play Thalia, so, you know, play Thalia in this slot. That's very easy. Next is Divine Purge. One white white for a sorcery. Exile all artifacts and creatures with mana value three or less. They perpetually gain. This spell costs two more to cast, and this permanent enters the battlefield tapped. For as long as each of them remain exiled, its owner may play it. Uh, they had to, like, put that perpetually, like, make it really awkward instead of just giving it, like, a spellbinder templating, which would be how you would make this card. I, I don't, like, just a way cleaner way of making this card. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the cards they could do in paper, but just didn't. M much like any of the cards that tack the text 
Uh, you can spend any mana of any color to cast this spell. I know. Because we know Gaunti does that in paper mm-hmm. and is not contingent on the card being alive or whatever. Right. So no other card really needs to say, all right, and that card gains that text perpetually. Yeah. It, it is really awkward, too, with the, like, cost discounting ones when they, like, make a card perpetually cost one less. They have to give it the ability yeah. this card costs one less because that's how magic templating works. Yeah, yeah. I have a note before we go to how actually good or bad this card is. Mm-hmm. I hate the flavor of this card. Divine Purge. Yeah. The, the gods on Anastrod are just so bad. They can't kill anything. They can just temporarily exile small artifacts and creatures. That's it. That's the best they've got. <laughs> well, clearly the gods have abandoned more or less Innistrad if we've like watched how the march of history on that plane has gone. There's, not... there's like an eldritch being in the moon. Surely she can pull off a more divine purge than this. Mm-hmm. So this card, I don't actually know how good it is. I... I saw Nassif playing with it, and he really liked it, and it was doing good work, especially against, like, the sacrifice decks. It didn't give them sacrifice triggers. Casting your Shambling Gas for three mana is, like, not a fun time. Uh, it gets rid of all your treasures and uh, your blood and your food or whatever you have forever, and it, it did a lot of work against the kind of stuff that people are playing. But then, you know, I turned on Kunio's stream, and he was like, I could not convince Nassif to cut his divine purges i think that card is unplayable so you know we're still early on i do think this card has a place and you know is quite good and if people are playing in particular stuff like vampires and sacrifice decks you have to be doing a big over the top thing that doesn't really care that your opponent still has access to like bad expensive cards for kind of the rest of the game but there is big over the top stuff that you can be doing particularly with like Holbreaker Horror Key to the Archive setups. So, yeah, I think this is a good sideboard card, like an infest kind of deal where mm-hmm. it's a three mana board stop. Like, it gives you time to develop while your opponent has to do other stuff, even if that stuff is just replaying the cards you just temporarily got rid of. Yeah. Uh, they have to spend a ton of mana to do that, and it gives you a bunch of time, which is, I assume, what you're playing this card for in the first place, giving you time mm-hmm. to set up into, like you said, like your big things, your key to the archive or your holebreaker horror or both because they lead into each other so one thing that is making me think that this format is still pretty fake right now is that i haven't seen like any mono green at all on anybody's streams nobody has played against it and i do not think the asika's chariot nerf is enough to make that deck like unplayable because you still get to play old growth troll and you get snakeskin veil and that combo like seemed like it would have been really good against every other deck i've seen so far so you know we'll see how stuff breaks out but this card would be pretty good against mono green if people were playing that so Hmm. i'm not sure about mono green i'll have to keep an eye on that because it does it doesn't seem outside of the scope that it could not be very good like with a seeker's chariot nurse and just other Mm -hmm. decks that have entered the, the game yeah, it did get a pretty good one drop that we'll talk about in a little bit. That's okay. like, pop. I think, yeah, that, which I think is like better than Ascendant Pack Leader. So this card, this next card is probably the most import impactful card in the set, particularly for Historic. 
This is Inquisitor Captain, three and a white for a 3-3 human cleric with vigilance. When Inquisitor Captain enters the battlefield, if there are 20 or more creature cards with mana value three or less among cards in your graveyard, hand, and library, seek two creature cards with mana value three or less, put one of them onto the battlefield, and shuffle the other into your library. So just base rate, you know, this is a collected company that never misses, but it, it gives you one really medium creature and then one actual creature. But I think it's a lot more than that because the medium creature that you're getting actually enables a lot of stuff, like synergy stuff that Collected Company can't pull off, in that this is a body that if you copy it, you get the ability again. If you blink it, you get the ability again. One thing that I've seen that seems really powerful is, you know, Glass Pool Mimic can be one of your three drops, and then you get another trigger off of You just get, like, many three threes. In Historic, you can play mirror image is you know glass pool mimic but without the but worse you can't play it as a land but you can also play soul herder and when you get soul herder with this and then you just get another trigger on your end step you go from no battlefield to a full battlefield really quickly with this card really easily and even when it's not doing that it's still like two bodies it's especially good with glass pool mimic because it lets you cheat the creature count that required not that you need a ton of help with that True. Because this card does require you, you need 20 or more creatures, basically not in exile mm-hmm. <laughs> anywhere in the game except for exile. So as long as you've met that requirement, Glass Pool Mimic lets you cheat it by, like, maybe you don't want a ton of creatures in your deck so you can hit the three drops you want more reliably like Soul Herder. Glass Pool mm-hmm. Mimic's really good at doing that while not being, like, a full-time creature. And even when you're not doing that stuff, like, this card is still good, like the cleric's decks should just run a bunch of these cards yeah. because it's really good in that deck. I mean, it's too, it's a collective company at, uh, with on-theme abilities. Mm-hmm. So, And you don't need to, you know, with collected company, you always have to be thinking about your count and like, am I going a little too low? Am I like messing up my percentages here? This just tells you like, as long as you're at 20 maybe a little higher if they are going to have exile removal just to play it safe, then you're fine. Like if you board down to 22 creatures that fulfill their requirements, like that's fine. You're okay. And that is kind of nice. Yeah. This card's just very good. Can't play it as an instant, but it has a lot of synergies that make up for that. Creatures are typically better than instants for this kind of effect anyway. Like the, the blinking yeah. flickering, uh, <laughs> you can raise dead it like stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can ephemerate this. That's really, really good. Uh, you can also neoform it and or neoform into it, which you, you can't neoform into Collected Company. So there's like a lot of exploration space. This is a pretty cool card. It is weird templating. Grafdigger's Cage does not work against it because Seek puts the cards into your hand temporarily before you do the things with them. Do you know if it shows that on Arena or is it just like pick one of these it two does cards. okay it does no it it shows it so if you're watching somebody resolve uh an inquisitor captain two cards go into their hand and then one of them goes into play and the other one goes into the library because that's what it does huh okay but yeah my my pick for like most important card in the set nice in this particular set of cards white finally did it this is a pretty good white card oh yeah honestly the mono white decks in alchemy have looked very bad at the moment just because, like, they keep getting Meat Hook massacred and shocked and stuff and just, like, running out. 
But here is another white card. Sigardian Evangel. One in a white for a 3-1 human cleric. When it enters the battlefield, conjure a card named Sigardian Evangel into your hand. Discard that card at the beginning of the next end step. When it enters the battlefield, tap target permanent you don't control. So this is kind of a an adversary sort of thing where you get to like multi-kicker it, but you just get to cast as many 3-1s as you have two mana and you get to tap their stuff down. And card's pretty good. It's, it's looked like a fine refill and like in creature matchups it has looked like a basically an overrun tapping their board and then giving you resources for future turns also if you're if you're into this sort of thing it triggers your angel of unity too because it's a cleric yeah yeah that's true that and it also lets you double spell really easily for clarion spirit and for uh monk of the open fist monk of the open hand it is, is a fist it open. is monk of the open hand okay and then I saw Kunio experimenting with Suntail Squadron, which is two white white for an instant. Conjure a card named Suntail Hawk into your hand. If you have fewer than seven cards in hand, repeat this process. Suntail Hawk, of course, a one white mana, one one flyer. I never saw him actually cast this, but multiple times his opponent did choose to make him discard it from his hand with various effects. So, you know, it, clearly there was some threat there, but I have no idea if this card's actually good it does let you double spell a bunch of times it's kind of like a white inspiration because it's a four mana instant that draws suntail hawks yes <laughs> draws a lot of suntail hawks yeah. it is a sweet card honestly like this kind of card to me is like oh yeah like digital designs like i'm like i like this stupid space i'm into this kind of like really dumb design yeah this, i think this card's perfectly reasonable also combos with uh the Huntmaster, the green card that, that uh, exiled cards from your hands. To make, oh, yeah. Just lose yeah. one of my free Suntail Hawks. Yeah. If you, you get the full value, you can get like five of a card from outside the game. If you get five Suntail Hawks. <laughs> that is really cool. That is a very sweet combo. Turn them into whatever you need a bunch of copies of. Is that combo realistic in our white green deck? No. But no, and it, it would be sweet. <laughs> And certainly, like, your four-drop slot in that deck is going to start with Inquisitor Captains, and, like, there's probably something <laughs> else that's better than Sundale Squadron, but... Eh. I mean, if you're going to live the dream, you have to get rid of, you know, better card choices. Right. I mean, Alchemy is a great place to do that right now, because nothing is tuned, nothing is battle-tested. Like, the main thing is you're going to run into blue decks that have, like, removal and counter magic and leer and stuff. And so if you're set up to beat those and you also don't just like instantly lose when somebody resolves a meat hook massacre, then you're like in an okay spot in the format. So moving on to the blue cards, here is absorb energy, one blue blue for an instant counter target spell cards in your hand that share a card type with that spell perpetually gain. This spell costs one less to cast, you know, for everybody that just desperately wants to spend rare wild cards for cancel variant number seven. But discounting your spells can be really good, and this is very good in, like, mirror matches. And if you ever get to counter a spell and then discount multiple cards in your hand, especially, like, card-drawing cards, like, if you counter one of their instants and you have multiple card-draw spells in your hand that you reduce the cost of, like, that's very crazy powerful. One of the crazy weird things about this card to me and you can correct me if i'm wrong because i'm just thinking mm -hmm. about this but if you like are playing the epiphany beer for instance 
and mm-hmm. you just counter one of their instants like an unexpected windfall and you have a galvanic iteration in your your hand it gains the ability it costs one less but that doesn't matter mm-hmm. until it's in the graveyard but then until it does it's in the graveyard. cost less right yeah yep nope you're perfectly correct that seems pretty strong to me i think this card is pretty strong uh it's probably the best cancel that you can play i think uh so if you're in the the realm of canceling then this is probably where you want to be and in particular if you think you're playing like the best deck then it's certainly good in mirror matches i mean even playing against like aggro decks if when you counter a creature spell but now your leer costs four mana and then you can set up mm. leer on leer fading hope a turn earlier like that you know that can turn your kind of mopey cards that like cancel not that good but cancel that lets you leer a turn earlier really good so i i agree but i i don't know how likely you are to be playing absorb energy in a leer deck you know i guess that's fair but like your, your test of talents is a more pointed answer in that kind of space mm-hmm. where even though it doesn't synergize with leer it's so good when you don't have leer yeah you forgive it sure well i guess make your hullbreaker horror cost one less <laughs> begrudgingly <laughs> next is unexpected conversion two in a blue sorcery draw two cards then you may exile an instant or sorcery card from your hand if you do search your hand and library for any number of cards with the same name exile them then shuffle Seek an instant or sorcery card for each card exiled from your hand this way. So this is that Huntmaster style oh, it's like templating. the same templating as the other card. <laughs> but it does a different thing. You seek that many instants or sorceries. You don't get them from your side because that would be very good on a divination. But uh, So this is divination plus and it has looked pretty powerful in particular with uh, it, it's a little weird with spell lands. Because it's like, yeah, I get to exile this spell land that wasn't a very good spell, and I get to find a different spell. But it also means you might find a spell land with right. the seek. Yeah, but that's that's okay. This card has looked pretty good, but at the end of the day, it's it's still just like another three mana card drawing spell. So, yep. however many of those you want, this is one of them. I mean, it's a sorcery divination with a weird rummage effect, right? That seems yeah reasonable, but not anything to write home about. Right, exactly. Uh, this next card is... Oh, no, that I don't really care about that card. Although, I guess Jerry and Brian were really high on it, but I don't think this card's actually like playable. Uh, this is Clone Crafter. One in a blue for a 1-2 human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, conjure a duplicate of a random creature card from your opponent's library into your hand. It perpetually gains. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast this spell. Your opponent's creatures aren't very good in your deck, and casting one twos for two mana isn't very good. So I don't really understand. Maybe somebody will make this card work, but it doesn't seem very good to me. Yeah, this is a bad Fibblefib. Yeah, and Fibblefib is my not cards. one of those cards that goes in you know all blue decks. So you've got to find yeah. a deck that wants a Fibblefib and is fine with this instead of it. You know, right? Like to me. The fact that this always draws a spell is completely like the advantage of, oh, this always gets a spell. I don't have to worry about drawing lands with it. I think that's completely negated by the fact that you're drawing your opponent's spells, which have like a 30 something percent chance to be useless in your deck. Lots drawing, of energy pieces in magic nowadays. <laughs> get Getting my opponent's smoldering egg in my like whatever the heck I'm doing deck 
I guess maybe a clone grafter deck would be fine yeah, with a smoldering no, egg. Any blue but... deck is going to be a good smoldering egg, but take like Inquisitor Captain, like a really mm. good creature in any deck it's in. All of a sudden you clone crafter it. Are you playing a 20 creature blue deck? Mm, probably, probably not. not. Get that ETB there. Next one is Discover the Formula. This is four blue blue for an instant. Seek three non-land cards. Then non-land cards in your hand perpetually gain. This spell costs one less to cast. I, I've seen people tweeting about this being really good, including like I just saw Kirkies tweeting about it being really good. And I subjected myself to some Kirkies watching this morning while he was playing this card. And every time he drew it, it was like fine. But I don't really understand how he like I, I was watching the same games he was playing. It was like any six mana card would have buried his opponent there. This was just a six mana card. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's. It's about appropriately costed for a six mana card. It's good for a six mana card, but it's not like right. doing anything special. I mean, he was beating his opponents because they were playing bad creature decks that were running into his wraths. And I don't know how we end up at the conclusion that like this six mana card drawing spell is like really good. I think it's like fine, but I'm not going to play a deck because this card exists. If you can, I, I could see this card being part of something really strong, but it's not playing it just straight up fairly. Like mm -hmm. if you can cheat its cost a little bit or figure out some sort of engine that uses the cost reduction really well and has all the time to set that up, that's where I can see this card being super good. It's just that mm -hmm. I haven't seen that yet. Like no one's put, there's not that many cards in standard right now. No one's really put that many hours into doing all that. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it is like, you know, seeking three non-land cards is quite a bit better when you're at six mana than drawing three cards. And yeah. that's definitely no joke, but you know, it, it's fine. It's not going to define a format or anything like that. You're also playing, like, a number of cards in your deck that either, like, aren't getting discounted at all because they're, like, Fading Hopes or Spike Field Hazards, or the discount doesn't really matter that much because you're not trying to, like, triple spell very many turns, and you're already at six or seven mana, so you could cast two spells. So... Like, it's mostly about the fact that it draws you three spells, which is good, but it's six mana, so that's about the right rate for that. Uh, next, we have Geist Channeler. One in a blue for a 1-3 human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, choose an instant or sorcery card in your hand with mana value three or greater. It perpetually gains. This spell costs two less to cast. This card has looked pretty scary. I don't think anybody's using it quite right. Because there is a lot of, like, running out of cards because I'm playing a 2-mana 1-3 in my effectively a control deck. And that's not ideal. But it does do things like discount my time walk that I want to copy. Or discount my unexpected windfall that then I can easily copy on, like, turn 4. And so there's just certainly something very powerful here. It discounts Discover the Formula, too, which is actually quite strong if anyone wants to put those two cards together sure although your four mana card draw spell you often want to draw one land off of so that's true it's not perfect but yes. i mean hey if you do do you need to draw lands if all your cards in your hand cost one less that's the real question uh, yeah i mean i guess it does make the discount from the discover the formula that much more meaningful too so i yeah I, I could see something going on there. You, you definitely need 
a way, uh, you know, a card quantity and velocity engine to go along with your Geist channelers. Because, you know, I've also seen, I've seen it do really good stuff. I've also seen games where somebody just like goes Geist channeler, plays their spells, cards get traded, and then they top deck a Geist channeler. And it's like, okay, well, I don't think we really did it here. Yeah, it's not quite the the Baral Electromancer type of card where you're really working towards something. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. a value one three. Right. So I have not seen any of this card yet. Oglor Devoted Assistant. One in a blue for a 1-1 one, one legendary homunculus. Boy, that is teeny tiny text. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top two cards of your library, then put one of them into your graveyard. Whenever a creature card is put into your graveyard from your library or hand, it perpetually gains when this card leaves your graveyard, create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token. So it kind of gives this... I mean, it's not really bridge from below because the trigger is really different, but it does give some massive potential for like creating very large boards from kind of, you know, if you lantern yourself and you wipe out four creatures, you get four two twos. Yeah. Like that's kind of cool. Uh, I haven't seen anyone play this card. I haven't seen anyone yeah. play any card, but it's hard for <laughs> me to imagine this card seeing play. Oh, you because... don't want to cast a two mana one, one that needs to stay in play to do some stuff. And then eventually it... you like combine it with a different thing. That's not what you're about. Mm, I am actually about that, but <laughs> from a playability standpoint, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It just does. It's just not very good. Right? Like it takes so many turns. First of all, you're only looking at the top two cards of your library and it only does anything. If one of those cards is a creature and you don't want to keep that creature, you have, you want to throw it in the graveyard. So that's your like step one of the process, right? Well, you got, I think to make this card work, you've also got to be like milling yourself or like looting with other stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm, I, I'm, I haven't got into that yet. Like, yeah, yeah. It, if you want to make that part of the card better, you introduce the ability to mill yourself or discard cards from your hand. Uh, discarding cards from your hand, creatures from your hand is easier because of blood tokens. Uh, but the milling thing, you're going to have to play bad cards for that. Mm-hmm. And then in order to get the creatures out of your graveyard, the easiest way to do that is uh, Lantern, like you were saying. Uh, whatever the Soul Guide Lantern is nowadays. I know there is one, I just don't know the name of it. Yeah. Something. So you put, you're like putting this card in your deck and a way to use it other than its ability, like either milling or looting. And you have like a, tor- a random Tormod script in your deck. That's so many things. To get yeah, like a lot of things, you could spend your time just casting tutus. Okay, but hold up, can I can I interest you in Kethis plus Oglor, devoted assistant? This is a legendary creature. It is a source of cards into your graveyard if you're you know playing it a little bit slow. You can exile lots of creatures from your graveyard in one turn with a Kethis. Uh huh. Ah. Mm, i mean it's it's a really easy way you know one more way to turn on your like mox opal very early in the be, game to be well blue is a useless color or not not mox opal but uh, amber mox yeah. amber uh, yes and no like it, it does seem like reasonable as a keth's backup plan but mm-hmm. i haven't the mana in the keth's text is always so difficult you're already playing blue plus abzan right because it's an yeah. excavator Yep. And in your game ones 
and this card just doesn't matter because your opponent's just not ready for what you're doing and you don't want this card to be a part of it. <laughs> and then then you're playing game twos and threes at Kethos and like this is your juke. I don't really right. see it's that still, happening. Still you still have you to, to do your Kethos creatures thing. into the graveyard. I mean, it does insulate you against non-rest-in-peace graveyard hate. Not you Pithing know? Needle. Not Pithing Needle. Unless you find some other way to exile your graveyard. Like, I think we're at the same point. <laughs> I know. We are at the same point. <laughs> we're at the same But it has thing. some synergy with the deck itself. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not like super about it. But it is kind of cool. I, I don't like that you don't even... Like, for the trigger, you can't even put both of them in the graveyard for for some reason. It's just, like, yeah. tapping itself at one card. Yeah. That's just so disappointing. Is, if milled 2 would be so much stronger just as a card. Let's see. I have to pull up a different site so I can see some of these spell books before we go into it. The Angler spell book is not worth looking at, if that's what you're thinking. Yeah, about. I know. Angler is not playable. But Cursebound Witch is. So go yes. into the black cards. Cursebound Witch is a one black mana, one two human warlock. When it dies, you draft a card from Cursebound Witch's spellbook. They are all witch-themed cards. So, you know, if it's in the poem slash incantation, double double toil and trouble, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the the kind of the type of thing that we're going for here. I mean, it you know, this is just another one black mana creature that dies into another piece of cardboard and so when you're sacrificing it to just various sacrifice effects it, it works out pretty well this is the card you get the uh the witch the oven combo from yes because the witch's yeah. oven is you know a witch card obviously and the cat is a black cat which you can also get black cat from this card a little random discard that's what black mm -hmm. cat is right yeah, you can also get Cruel Reality off of this card, which is a really nice, you know, late game haymaker out of nowhere. You know, it's it's kind of the mascot exhibition of Cursebound Witch. You yeah, really want to hit that once you curse. Yeah, I mean, it kills them. So that's kind of a nice thing to have access to in this kind of deck. Does it do five a turn or just three? Five. It's either they sac sacrifice a creature or take five, I think. Yeah, yeah you're right. That that curve is weird because I know that the uh the next set, like our dose station, had that whole cycle of, you know, sack a thing or deal three to you. <laughs> it's mm, like, the I, the torment stuff. Yeah. Which Torment of Scarabs is one of the cards you can get off of Cursebound Witch. So. Imagine hitting both two two Cursebound Witches and just tormenting Scarabs and Cruel Realitying them. Mm-hmm. They won't have anything left to sacrifice. They that's, will that's just for know. free. You got that value because you wanted that Cursebound Witch to put cardboard on the table. That's yep. it. Yeah, so this card is definitely a component of the black decks. The black decks, you know, they've looked pretty powerful, certainly. Like, it is a powerful archetype that is enabled by not very much Epiphany being around, but it looks to be nearly as bad against the blue decks as they exist right now as it was against Epiphany. So you're kind of getting a very similar matchup profile. And I don't think that you should show up to ladder seriously right now without having a solid plan against the blue decks because they're very powerful and seeing a lot of play. Yeah, that, that the phrase showing up to ladder seriously does. I do mean, a number four, you know, but <laughs> just trying to make like high mythic or whatever. I don't know what the context is for your desire to to play some ladder. Let's see. 
what is break expectations spellbook a bunch i have not seen junk. any break it's a bunch of junk artifacts so like uh, millstone weapon rack Orozka relic 50 feet of rope that sort of thing <laughs> ginger brute is one of those cards wow yeah so this card could p- possibly do something but i think you'd usually just want to duress them so this is one black sorcery target player reveals all cards with mana value two or greater in their hand you choose a card from among those cards exile that card and then they draft a card from break expectation spellbook and show it to you for so, so you get to see what you gave which i think is probably good design you want to know what you gave them immediately with your because it's a fun like surprise it's a 50 feet of rope instead of the thing you wanted it would be so brutal to cast this card against clerics and they just draft a pyre of heroes from a spellbook <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i usually want to if i want discard in like duress is probably where i'm leaning first yeah. but there may be a place for this uh i mean maybe control decks want this there there are some like generically good cards you can get mostly a roscar relic or mm-hmm. replicating ring those are just mana rocks yeah yeah true and typically like the idea of discard spells is that you get information you're running them out deny them a card yeah. and this yeah. doesn't really do that right. it, it can like giving them a ginger brood or whatever is mostly denying them a card but if they can even draft like a millstone and make that a win condition against you Mm-hmm. that's kind of weird the reason you'd be playing break expectations over duress is probably to take creature spells like you know i want to be able to take your gold span dragon or whatever and a creature deck may be able to make use of some of some more of these you know even ginger brute can deal damage like uh let's see most of these black cards are not really much of a thing uh sanguine brushstroke is pretty good this is one black black for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, create a blood token and conjure, conjure a card named Blood Artist onto the battlefield. Whenever you sacrifice a blood token, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. I mean, the blood token is a nice little extra, but honestly, like in these black sacrifice decks, like three mana Blood Artist is actually like kind of yeah. great. You're, you're like in for, in the market for that. <laughs> yeah. Comes along with a rummage if you want it. Which you do especially like playing blood on the snow being able to rummage away blood on the snow when it's bad is really good or being able to rummage something into your graveyard to get back with your blood on the snow when you've been under pressure and haven't been able to cast that before the blood on the snow like the blood token is actually pretty decent but yeah this card is it's pretty nice it, it puts three things into play notably it's a, a real blood artist so that when if the blood artist dies you can bring it back mm-hmm Yep. Perhaps with blood on the snow as the most likely. Um, as but. the most unlikely, you can assemble it from parts. Make it a 4-4. Four, four. No, we're not playing assemble from parts. <laughs> not even going to read that one again. I refuse. Uh, Sap Vitality. I haven't seen C any play yet. This is black black for an instant. Deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. Choose a creature card in your hand. It perpetually gets plus three, plus zero. I haven't seen it see any play yet, but a black heavy deck that is like aggressive and creaturey, but also at some point like wants to deal three to creatures and planes. You know, this is a lot of stuff for two mana that you're getting potentially. Giving a Nighthawk Scavenger. Is that what the rogue is named? The the Vampire the Nighthawk? With variable power? Yeah. 
giving that thing plus three power is like really really good and or giving that card yeah okay because you can you can pump a creature with a power setting ability yeah i guess it's just weird because i'm not used to perpetually pumping things in my hand (laughs) right but like you could giant growth it so yeah of course plus three plus oh it the only problem i i just think sap vitality is just not very good on rape like i've played multiple standard formats where grasp and darkness was legal and the card right. was like struggling to hit playability, despite the right. fact that Kalitas was in the format and was extremely strong. Right, but I mean, removal spells that give you something often can be like not at the rate that you would generally want a removal spell to be at. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they give you something back, and potentially, like you know, if your deck has like eye twitches and stuff in it, like your eye twitch is now a four-one. Like, that's a lot. That's a big change to that card. It is. You just have to, like, I think you just need your side vitalities to line up, but it gets it enough of the format, and I don't know yeah. if that's true. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, pretty awkward that, like, the control decks, they do actually play a reasonable number of creatures and planeswalkers now, but generally it's, like, Leer, and it, that has four toughness, and Teferi, and that pluses up to more than three like five or something like that i don't know what that card does it's a fairy who slows the sunset <laughs> i believe it does plus up to four but it pluses up to five so does not die to this certainly uh so yeah i i mean you're, you're totally right like the spots for it are not that common but when it's good it's like you're getting a lot for that rate brittle blast i've seen see some play two in a red for an instant Creatures and planeswalkers your opponents control perpetually gain. If this permanent would die, exile it instead. Brittle Blast deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker. So it's a little bit better than three mana, five damage, and exile it. And that's mainly what it is, but sometimes it does a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a really good Magma Spray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's got enough of a. Like, it's in that fight with fire space where you can play it as just like there's something really important i need to kill that has a lot of toughness so i'm going to bring in this card mm-hmm. but it also has that magma spray text where you can just bring it in against decks that you want to disrupt their graveyard synergies and then it yeah. disrupts everything that's going on their side of the table when you cast it yep yep like brittle Bush just has like a lot of cross use appeal in that way which yeah. is kind of neat yeah like you you would end up boarding it in against more decks than you would think about when you just like look at the card you know you like it against the sacrifice decks you like it against leer you know it just has like a lot of spots where it's good Mm -hmm. Uh, next is electrostatic blast one in a red for an instant it deals two damage to any target when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell exile the top three cards of your library you may play one of those cards until end of turn so this is a pretty sweet velocity sort of like churning i mean you know it it is plus one card but it also is just kind of enabling like casting lots of spells in a deck that wants to cast lots of spells shades of stomp bone crusher giant it's not as good as bone crusher giant obviously i but... love this card this is probably my favorite card in the entire set yeah i just like how you have to figure out it's a shock so it's a, it's a fine card two mana is a little mm-hmm. bad but whatever uh, but then you have to like weigh between wanting to play cards proactively just to get the trigger mm-hmm. or, and how much mana those cards cast cost and when you're playing them and all that's like really neat decisions. 
And it's just yeah. good because you, you know, you get to cast the best of the three cards on top of your deck. You do not want to be playing counter spells in your deck generally with this thing or even like too many situational spells because you both want whatever instant or sorcery is in your hand. You want to be able to choose a convenient time to cast that. And then whatever you flip, you really want to take whatever you, you want lots of good options there and not just like a counter spell, a bounce spell and a land. I guess I'll take the land. And then electrostatic blast can go into electrostatic blast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you keep that chain going forever. You can just look for your cards as much as you can, as much as you have in sorceries. And and like three cards is pretty deep. This isn't just like draw a card like three cards is looking pretty deep for whatever the thing you're looking for is. So. Oh, yeah. I've cast some uh, express federations before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know this, but apparently Andrew Brown tweeted that like. He almost, when designing Expressive Iteration, almost just said, eh, and made it look at four cards. No, I, I heard that tweet was in reference to Alchemy. Like, just when Alchemy was coming out, just, yeah, let's just make Expressive Iteration four cards. Oh, is that what it was about? Yeah. <laughs> just like, whatever, let's just buff this thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I may have not understood. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, now we're getting to some of the big boys. At least temporary big boys. I don't know how long this one's going to stick around. Uh, Fearsome Whelp. One and a red for a 1-1 flying dragon. At the beginning of your end step, each dragon card in your hand perpetually gains. This spell costs one less to cast. The dragon's deck is very, very popular from the start of the format. Is still popular now. I don't know that the like mid-range red deck with like 10 four drops in it <laughs> is like going to be a permanent fixture. But this card definitely does a lot in that deck. If they don't have an instant speed removal spell, then you get like plenty of value out of it. They kind of have to kill this two drop. And if they don't, you know, I just watched Nasif a little bit earlier play against turn two Fearsome Whelp, turn three Town Razor Tyrant, turn four two Town Razor Tyrants. <laughs> <laughs> you know, had the typically Nassif response to that which was i see we're getting the realistic draws out of the way early today so this is also a card with just adorable art mm -hmm. one of two cards with really really cute artwork in this set two cards with like my dad can kick your dad's ass energy in yeah. this set so i i have no idea how long the dragon's deck will like actually be good for it doesn't seem like the red deck full of four and five drops and some six drops is like really a real thing to stick around but this card is strong enough to encourage you to do that so i i you know this design is pretty good for like allowing a thing that generally isn't very good to be powerful there's also a lot of like you can you can always have a deck like a dragon deck at the first week of a new alchemy format because every set has dragons in it mm -hmm. like kamigawa last time had a whole cycle of dragons that were all really well some of them were very impactful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they were all like sweet. Yeah. So they were all sweet. I'm that's sure for we'll sure. get some sweet ones. Jugen, the green one. It's like one of my early favorite artwork pieces. Yeah. Boy, they really costed the worst dragon the most prohibitive mana cost. Do you know the story of why they cast costed them like that? Because green isn't supposed to get 5-5 five, five flyers, I assume that's why they cost all of them like that like red and blue mm -hmm. get the most flyers 
They're dragons, mm-hmm. I guess. So they only have one pips. The white and black have two pips, and green has three. Well, kind of a bummer for green. I think you're allowed to like do a little color pie bleed when you're doing a cycle like that to make them, you know, playable. I mean, you absolutely are, but this was Kamigawa, so like right, so having they, things be playable was not really a priority. Not one of the goals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for the sweet flavorful cards, more for the uh, weird strange cards like glimpse of nature gifts ungiven <laughs> since they defining mm-hmm. top those are the ones that got the power budget <laughs> next i haven't seen this one see any play yet but that may be because i haven't been watching historic uh but this probably hasn't broken out quite yet uh but i think it could be good this is frenzied geist blaster one in a red for a 2-2 prowess when enters the battlefield if there are 20 or more instant and or sorcery cards among cards in your graveyard hand and library you may discard a card if you do seek an instant or sorcery card just turning a card in your hand into a spell that can trigger prowess. A 2-2 prowess for two is an acceptable rate. I think that there is enough here that, like, I like this card. I think it's sweet. I like it, but 20 instant sources is, is a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot. That's true. That's way more than 20 creatures. Even though it is tough to fit. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they, they really did make this difficult. And that may break it. You may just not be able. In my opinion, this card if you're willing to put 20 instant mm-hmm. sorcery cards in your deck, you should just be able to seek an instant sorcery card. Why Why would you need to rummage it? <laughs> that would be very powerful. Yes, but like gives you a reason to do the thing it's asking, right? Well, yeah, but then you'd just be putting this into your like blue-red control decks. Fair. Is that bad? I don't think that's what they want to do with this card. I agree and I don't with think, that. <laughs> I don't think the blue-red control decks need a two-mana 2-2 two, two draw card. I don't think that that's a thing that they need. Okay, that's fair. Like, like 20 is so many that I can see it just being like, I can't put this many Ancestral Angers and stuff in my deck. Like, I can't figure out a way to make this function. But it does at least specifically mitigate the, like, bad cantrip problem where, like, you've cast so many Ancestral Angers that you effectively are playing, like, a 27-land deck. And it at least can get one of those lands out of your hand. Yeah, that's probably not the ideal solution to this problem. <laughs> oh, the ideal solution is like playing actual cantrips usually. Yeah. Next, we have Rahilda Wanted Cutthroat. One in a red, two, two, first strike, human werewolf. When it deals combat damage to a player, exile a non-land card from their library at random. During any turn you attack with a wolf or werewolf, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though or mana of any color to cast that spell. And then on the night side, it is the same thing, but has double strike. So this is just a fine red two drop. That's like a bad robber of the rich impression, but it gets your day night cycle started early. If you have other werewolves in your deck and, you know, I don't love playing two mana two twos that like don't do a thing and don't have haste, but you, you do what you got to do in your aggressive decks. And if you are running other werewolves, getting that day night cycle started early is kind of nice. And the first strike does make it a little harder to block than mm-hmm. most other, you know, red cards, but it does need to deal combat damage to its thing. So, other it mostly just a two-two when they block it, and that's not very yeah. Good. No, that's not very good. Uh, if you have other werewolf synergies, she's at least the right creature type for that. But I don't. I'm not like super hyped for this card by any means. Oh, I didn't look at Tybalt's spellbook. Uh, oh, Tybalt, that's... I think, is not good. It's because I don't know. I looked at Tybalt's spellbook from the other magic spoiler, and it's just not listed. I just don't know the cards in the spellbook. (laughs) 
so they're all devil devil related cards or devils basically they're all bad cards or six mana cards and that's a really rough place for him to be this is three red red for a three loyalty planeswalker plus one you add red red and you draft a card from his spell book exile it until end of turn you may cast that card it can't even put it into your hand which is really bad for the six mana cards uh plus one it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker unless its controller has Tibalt deal three damage to them if they do you may discard a card if you do draw a card one of the worst planeswalker abilities i've ever seen just like a punisher ability that isn't going to affect your opponent in any meaningful way until you've done it like three times and then it has minus X, create X 1 1 red devil creature tokens. When with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. I think basically you should just run burn down the house over this card. <laughs> like, this isn't a meaningful way to do planeswalker stuff. Yeah, man, that middle ability is so strange. Just keep plusing it, hoping it does what you want. <laughs> and it just never will. And it, like, doesn't do anything unless they have a creature or a planeswalker in play so you have to use the other plus one like you can't just like deal damage to them i mean i guess you would want to go to the spell book at that point but i would uh, yeah i would way rather cast a bunch of bad devils than play mind games with my opponent yeah chained brute charm breaker devils festival crasher Ooh. forge devils frenzied devils okay yeah so it's all devils Is and devils, devils on that play list? Uh, Riot Devils is not on that list. Hellrider's on the list. That's a shame. Riot Devils is one of my one of my favorite devils. So if you like, I don't know, these creatures are just like pretty bad. There's a lot of like five and six mana ones. Charmbreaker Devils is the one that casts random random spells from your graveyard, right? No, it returns random instants and sorceries from your graveyard to your hand. Okay. So similar, but not as good. Yeah, and it's also an upkeep trigger, so it never happens. Sure. Okay. It's a like a four four, for six. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a rough spellbook. I don't think that Tybalt is playable. And then last red card, Townraiser Tyrant, two red red for a four four flying. When it enters the battlefield, target land you don't control loses all abilities except mana abilities and gains. At the beginning of your upkeep, this permanent deals two damage to you unless you sacrifice it. I think somebody in Nassif's chat said it best when they said, I remember when Avalanche Riders was a 2-2 for 8 mana. Now it is a 4-4 flyer for 4. And uh, if you're pressuring your opponent's life total at all, this card is very close to Avalanche Riders. It It's really, really powerful. But 4 mana, 4-4 four, four flying is not good enough, but you tack on a meaningful comes into play that does like anything, and then it's, it is good enough, and that's what this is. Yeah, I think this is one of the most overtly powerful, maybe the most overtly powerful card in the set mm -hmm. by just like normal magic terms, competing with like the super good synergy of Inquisitor Captain. Mm -hmm. This is just like raw rate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's looked really impressive and it goes extremely well with Fearsome Whelp and it just does a lot of good work. I have not seen it like I've seen way more people doing it in dragons decks than as the top end of a red deck which to me would be like the default place that i would put it in like i want to put this in a red deck with some one and two drops and reckless storm seeker and some burn spells and that's i think that's where this card would be the most powerful but there's like plenty of places that this card's just good 
Garrick Wrath of the Wilds I have not seen in play at all. I I guess that's it's probably not a good card. It's just expensive. All of its uh spellbook cards because it's it's a two GG three loyalty planeswalker. It's plus one gives a creature card in your hand, plus one one and costs one less. It's minus one and lets you draft a card and put it onto the battlefield. But those cards are all like two to three drop creatures that are not that great. Like mm-hmm. Wary Okabe is a three two vigilance. Uh, truffle snout great name cute picture not a very good card <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. stuff like that so this is kind of just a worse garrick wild speaker like each of its abilities is like a little worse than garrick wild speaker yeah yeah that's a pretty apt untapping two lands is like what really makes garrick wild speaker tick and right this one is significantly more limited discounts a creature in your hand rather than like any very powerful right and like draft a card from his spellbook and put it onto the battlefield and they're like kind of worse than three three tokens mostly and yeah. his overrun is a turn slower than garrick wildspeaker's overrun and it's the same card just plus three plus three and trample but for five loyalty instead of four yep. yeah and Weird. garrick wildspeaker is not a card that aged like super well or anything into standard so right but it like lives on in our memory as like one of the most perfectly designed planes. You know, it's one of my favorite cards ever. Uh, to be honest, I don't think of it very much. It, it was neat when it came out. I I think about it a lot because I do think, I mean, the original like Planeswalker cycle was, you know, they did a really good job with them, and like Garrick to me is like one of the perfect early Planeswalkers, just super well designed. You know, I guess this is sort of a honoring the you know throwback to that card but like i'd rather just play with garrick wildspeaker to be honest we have geist pack alpha three and a green for a five four trample when it dies seek a permanent card with mana value equal to the number of lands you control kind of a nice just like it dies into a good spell that has to be okay if you're in the market for like four mana value creature i don't know if we're doing any sort of like What's what's the birthing pod creature? Vanifar. We're not doing Vanifar stuff in historic, probably, but you know, just as like so- decent sized body that gets you value when it dies. Like there could be something here. Yeah, it is awkward that you just have to stop playing lands at some point if you want value out of this card. <laughs> yeah, uh, and maybe like put a five and a six in your deck so that you can get something well sometimes you like literally want seven lands in play so you can activate faceless haven and do something else relatively expensive and yeah are you just going to eliminate your option to get a card off this if that's a thing like you kind of have to some of the time right yeah that is pretty awkward but it's not a huge part of the card but it does detract from the i always replace myself aspect you know if it's your only four and you just keep four lands in play, then you just get to do all Geist Pack Alphas all the time. That sounds so bad. It doesn't sound <laughs> great to me. Uh, Grizzled Huntmaster is a one green green four three. When it ETBs, you may. You, you, y'all know what Grizzled Huntmaster does. We talk, <laughs> everybody has talked out enough about this card. Yeah, this is like pretty fine. It is good in particular in like Blink and company and inquisitor captain type decks people are trying it in historic and it's doing some good stuff there in that type of deck i think you can do it in standard alchemy i guess it's just alchemy whatever you can you can play this card in alchemy like three mana four three that's doing some useful tutoring and you know you can have a naturalized creature and a 
defensive creature and a value creature you can just like have a, a few good options and i think this does some work what's the what's the four three for two g in midnight hunt it was one of the mythics oh primal adversary yeah primal adversary like yeah. if if i was a mono green deck and i was choosing between like a random three drop to supplement my curve it would be this card because i can just grab my frog hemoth or whatever's in my sideboard pitching mm-hmm. a random uh, I don't know what the Boreal Druid's called. The one-two snow creature. The two oh, two Sculptor of Winter. Yeah. yeah, Sculptor of Winter. Yeah. No, I, I think that this is pretty fine for that. Other green cards. I think the only other one that we care about is Tenacious Pup. One in a green for a one-two wolf. When it enters the battlefield, you gain one life. When you cast your next creature spell, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter, trample counter, and vigilance counter on it. It's just a very good one drop. That's a lot of stuff to give to your next creature. Yeah, it's kind of free because you get it's the green Thraven Inspector. <laughs> it's a green mana one, two. You even gain a life randomly. And then your next card is very large. <laughs> yeah, it does stack a lot of its value. You know, it does stack like most of its value into one place. So if you go Tenacious Pup into Werewolf Pack Leader, that's really good. Your Werewolf Pack Leader is a crazy card at that point. It's a two mana, four, four trample vigilance with the rest of Werewolf Pack Leader's text. But if they kill it with a two mana spell, then you lost all of your value off of the pup and you're, you know, attacking for one with it and you didn't really get that far. You know, you're not diversifying where you're putting your value. You're, it is a little bit of an aura effect. But if you can use this one, two body for anything productive, then. You know, which you can if you're playing like Ranger class and stuff like anybody is fine. Yeah, I think that's what makes this card valuable. Like if it were a spell with this ability, it wouldn't be very good. But it's Mm -hmm. on a one two body that you Mm -hmm. get to keep the body even if they get rid of the the main thing. Right. It's worthwhile. And I really, really like that this is a one mana creature that can't be spike filled hazarded and you know fading hope is not good against it so just you know you put it out there you get to fill an empty spot in the curve without opening your opening yourself up to the spike field hazard weakness and that's that's pretty nice yeah you get to see a lot of paws on this card yeah there's definitely some toe bean action going on <laughs> other cards i don't really know where you put the green green white white wrath of I, god i love this card because it's so <laughs> it's crazy it's the wildest card begin a new gg a sorcery or ggww sorcery destroy all creatures creature cards in your hand get plus one plus one (laughs) it's just like (laughs) hold on (laughs) if i'm trying to destroy creatures why am i having somebody in my hand to pump them uh yeah i don't i don't know what you do with this i I, I just i just think it's a horrendous card with like kind of good probably really bad i like the artwork but not into it no green and white has never been a controlled act i mean bant right i mean the closest i could think of was glare of subdual which is you're never gonna want to cast a wrath of god and glare yeah well it's a different kind of control deck also (laughs) right so this card's confusing to me i don't i haven't even read it i assume that this card isn't playable but so i i just think it's really weird that this card is named gitrog horror of zava but the other, like, Gitrog wasn't the name of the Gitrog monster. That was a monster 
in a place called Gitrog, right? Do, am I not understanding? Like, how is Gitrog now the name of the frog horror? I don't know. I need to look at the deep lore. <laughs> the Gitrog monster is an enormous frog that lives in the depths of Lake Zava, mm-hmm. which is located in the highlands of Nefalia on Innistrad near the border with Gavany. Okay. So apparently it's just a big frog that someone named the Gitrog monster. Oh, and but now it's, it's always called been, Gitrog. It's always been near Zava. Which is a lake. Because, you know, that's I really where frogs live. liked it a little bit more when I thought it was a legendary creature that was just named after the place that... It, like, the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the nickname is Nessie. But, like, the second the Loch Ness Monster card wouldn't be called, like, Loch Ness the Monster of the Scottish Highlands or whatever. Like, that's not what that is. So there is a story that includes the Gitrog Monster. It's It's called Sacrifice written march 23rd 2016 mm-hmm. uh, duh, duh, duh. and the first time they say the word get <laughs> is someone asking how long have we heard tales of the get and how many people have seen it and the story opens with saying that they're near lake zava so i think it's just always been named the get or mm-hmm. get monster yeah i mean you can't quite fit more get horror of zava really takes up like most of this title box so probably couldn't fit an article in there but weird naming i think it's like the chupacabra right yeah i guess so i don't know but put put some put that honorific on there he's it's not just a gitrog he's not just gitrog he's the gitrog monster he's the only one the gitrog horror of zava like just <laughs> squashes a the on there i've seen how you handle these text boxes I do like that. That's a better name, right? The Gitrog Horror yeah. of Zava. Like, that's a good name. That's a I mean, way that's better what they name. call it in the story I just perused. <laughs> right. It gives it weight. No one's no one's on a first name basis with Gitrog. It's always no, the No, absolutely Gitrog. not. He has eaten <laughs> you long before you can reach that level of acquaintance. Two more playable cards. We've got Key to the Archive. This is a four mana artifact. Enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, draft a card from its spellbook, then discard a card and tap, add two mana in any combination of colors. So obviously can't evaluate this card without its spellbook. I can read the spellbook. Okay, go for it. You can just like read this whole thing because it's banger after banger. It's got a million mystical archive cards in it. So all of the <laughs> excellent Strixhaven archive cards. Approach of the Second Sun. Day of Judgment, Time Warp, Counterspell, Demonic Tutor, Doom Blade, Lightning Bolt, Claim the Firstborn. Uh, that one's a, a miss. The one real <laughs> miss in there. Crescent Grip, Regrowth, Despark, Electrolyze, Growth Spiral, Lightning Helix, Putrefy. Yeah, this card has looked really, really impressive to me. Uh, it's what's making the best blue decks I've seen be very good. It just puts them way over the top. Yeah. It's just all bangers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a mana rock that gives you generally a thing that you need the next turn, whether it is removal spell or a wrath, or it can even give you a win condition, or it can give you a little bit of value with like, you know, electrolyze, get your creature, draw a card, and I can make use of that because I'm on seven mana now. It can even give you time warp, which with just a key to the archive in play, eh. But most people playing key to the archive are playing it with teferi who slows the sunset which has moved from you know 
a, a harbinger of a bad deck to an excellent card with Key to the Archive. It just I mean, when it's plus one becomes Garrick Wildspeaker. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's plus one gives you three mana yeah, three when you mana. have Key to the better. Archive out. It's really good. I I watched Nasif play turn four Key to the Archive get Time Warp, turn five to Fairy who slows the sunset Time Warp, and then Holebreaker Horror on his Time Warp turn. So. You know, and and hold up cancel. He had cancel mana too because he had Teferi plus key to the archive. So, uh, key leads to some pretty nutty stuff in particular in combination with Teferi, and uh, it just like gives you that extra oomph to make up for. I spent a turn of casting a mana rock. Well, it you know fixes your draw a little bit, gives you a powerful card to make up for that, and then you're kind of off to the races from there. The real pro gamer move is to play the second key of the archive after getting time warp and just get the regrowth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can also you with holebreaker horror. I mean, not that you need like further ways to win the game once you have your holebreaker horror in play and active, but if you're really locking your opponent out, you can bounce your keys to the archive and keep like looting for bonkers spells over your extra lands so that's you know a little bit of extra synergy there okay yeah yeah this card's really good it's very strong yeah it's kind of surprising that they made this card so good because it prominently features cards not from Innistrad <laughs> yeah I mean it prominently features prominently features cards that are just straight up too good for standard so also a weird thing to have in alchemy well I mean the most reasonable card this card gets is uh, Claim the Firstborn, <laughs> which, which is defined a standard format. starkly among <laughs> like all of these absolutely it is crazy cards. Generally not the card you're going to take with Key to the Archive. I, I, I don't know that a Key to the Archive deck is like ever going to want Claim the Firstborn. <laughs> Honestly, they should have just put Stolen Rain in that spot, just so that sometimes <laughs> some people could get them, you know? <laughs> I would, yeah, I would say like they don't really want to give people the Stone Rain experience, but they're perfectly willing to give people the Avalanche Riders experience. So you know, maybe that's not true. Yeah, we've this is alchemy. We can do whatever we want now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last up, we've got Forsaken Crossroads. This is a land. ETB is tapped. As it enters the battlefield, you choose a color, and it taps for a mana of the chosen color. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you scry one, but if you weren't the starting player, you can untap it instead. So this just is a really, really good land for like three color decks that just does the thing and fixes your mana really nicely. Yeah, on the draw, it's a pathway. And on the play, it's a temple. Mm -hmm. And on the draw, if you don't need the mana that turn, you can use it as a temple too. So it's like Ooh, quite good okay. on the draw. Neat. So, you know pretty ham-fisted way to be a card that is better on the draw than on the play but there are very few non-ham-fisted ways to make cards that are better on the draw than on the See, play this, so i this card doesn't work on in paper magic mm -hmm. that's what the developers said because <laughs> you'd forget the memory issues i have no idea who went first this game yeah no idea can't keep track of that yeah, but, it, but the very next round, I can tell you exactly how many die rolls I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suspect that a lot of 
this is how many die rolls I've lost stories are, you know, there's, there's a, a one or a two added to the actual oh, number. Sure. And th- also, I'm looks- not the person that keeps track of that personally. <laughs> I don't, oh, no, I no. don't care. <laughs> so may have missed one or two or more that end up seeing play, but those are the ones that have kind of stood out to me so far for one reason or another. I don't know. I am going to play. I do want to play. Like, it has been fun watching these games. Just unexplored formats where people don't have good decks are fun because you can build good decks and beat people. And that's, you know, it's the magic version of pub stomping, I guess, which has its charms. It's the constructed version of playing limited. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what I view it as. It's fun because you do feel rewarded a little bit because you pick it out and you build your deck and it works and it's very difficult to go into like a developed standard and just be like crack your knuckles and like i'm gonna build a deck (laughs) and it's like well you're gonna get bodied because everybody's playing epiphany so well everyone's been playing the same deck for like two and a half months and Mm -hmm. sharing all their data forever yeah so good luck and it's perfect now so you're gonna lose you know this wasn't as bad as i thought it would be it is always fun to talk about new magic. It's impossible for new magic cards to not be fun to talk about. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if any of the, the sets were going to test it, it was going to be like the Dungeons and Dragons one and this one, right? And I think both yeah. passed. So yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. New cards are cool. They they just are. They're just really cool. That's all. So I will be experimenting with some of these and... I'll just be giving wizards my money forever and ever in ever increasing amounts and getting less and less in return. And there's nothing I can do about it. So that's the fate that I've resigned myself to. I mean, I, I won't be participating in this format, but I will be following it closely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it has I, been I, fun just to follow it closely. So, yeah, I, I really cannot state how much i actually really like alchemy as an idea for a format like maybe Mm -hmm. not the i have gripes about digital cards and the ways they're implementing it and all that stuff but like the actual format i really really want to do well because i just don't think standard is a good idea yeah yep i it does not seem to work yeah and it hasn't for a while um and i don't know if that's because of changes to card development or if it's just or if it's because of the additional data from many 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 more matches being played and much data tracking being much better but for whatever reason standard hasn't been good in years and it does not seem to be something they can make work anymore a, a lot of games and maybe not a lot of games because there's not that many games in like the kind of area magic is in but flesh and blood for instance does not include rotation as part of its game plan Mm -hmm. it's just going to ban cards as it sees necessary and kind of have an eternal style game and that was way more interesting to me than trying to keep up a rotating format Mm -hmm. and maybe that changes sometime in the future because flesh and blood is like over a year old or something but we'll see we will see i mean yeah rotation is like inherently you know a player unfriendly concept but it is very difficult to continue printing cards that are relevant in the absence of rotation without getting like enormous power creeps so it's it's a tough balancing act it is 
But I mean, you know the two most popular formats in Magic right now? Modern and... I I mean, I guess historic... Or Commander, right? Yeah, so. modern and Commander. Non-rotating formats, completely. Yeah. Right, because people like to own their decks. They like to have a deck identity. Like, that's a really fun thing, to be a Dredge player, to be a, you know, Korvald player, whatever. Like, th- that's just... God, I love the examples you chose. <laughs> just, just two Jund decks. <laughs> Jund guy over here. <laughs> I, I feel like there's more like dredge play. Maybe there's more. I feel like there's more dredge players than like anything else. Maybe like straight up Jund guys. Well, like, you could just be like control them, but... guy. That's a generic yeah. label. True, true. But I, I prefer to like pick, you know, classic modern archetypes as my example. You know, what's more classic than an unplayable Jeskai control pile? Well, but now it's Good. like it changes in ways <laughs> that like completely alter the identity of the deck and also gets like way more expensive <laughs> in ways well, yeah, that like so that sounds like peak modern to me. <laughs> <laughs> but dredge is just dredge. Like, that's the cool thing about dredge is like, you know. It's like a $500 deck that you replace some commons with like weird other commons when new sets come out. Uh, yeah, once you owned all the dredge cards, those are all the dredge cards that will ever exist. Yeah, exactly. They, never, them. they banned the best one and you're never getting better than Stinkweed Imp. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go. And then it's just cathartic reunions all the way down from there. Can get spicy with some silver smoke ghouls every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Also, an it's uncommon. Like, <laughs> you never need anything for this deck. <laughs> Just some like sideboard cards that nobody's ever heard of. Some weird split cards or something like aftermath things or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have anything else to talk about. No. Just I hope Alchemy is great. Love it. They just like. It's weird. I was going to say they, they just like shouldn't have any tournaments and they should just let us sandbox around in it. But then it becomes like unimportant and nobody cares about it. So they have to do something. Yeah, to then it's it Pioneer. Right. Yeah. But on Arena. But I don't know if that's enough to make it, you know, because like Historic wasn't relevant until they started doing tournaments. And then you started paying a little bit more attention to it and people started playing it more. So, yeah. Well, the fact they that it's on have Arena to. means that Wizards is like locked into caring about it, right? right facts so we'll see i'll i'll play it some i'll report back and who knows what next week's topic will be about i hope we don't have one because i would really like a a holiday break if that's okay yeah well we usually take you know (laughs) one week off for christmas we could take two weeks off for christmas though just depends you know what we want to do i guess i i technically do work the 21st so it's just a normal day to me Mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a fun episode next week just just mess around all right write up write up some some show notes sell okay. me on some fun sell you on some fun okay <laughs> <laughs> it'll be uh new year's resolutions <laughs> for fun <laughs> all right i no, need to workshop that one a little more yeah, yeah but yeah. but i'm you know open i'm open all right Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, I am on Twitter at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. Yeah, I'm also at Lee McLeo. Thanks so much, and have a great week. 
Bye. Bye.